0: Kia ora, welcome to episode 80 of the SWNZ podcast, the podcast for New Zealand Star Wars fans. My name is Matt.
1: And my name is Christy.
0: We're very excited to have hit the 80 episode milestone, so just want to give a shout out and say thanks to everybody for listening in and for joining us over the uh, previous few years and listening into our previous ins- installments. It was another interesting week for news from a galaxy far, far away, so let's jump in and talk Star Wars. First up, I want to acknowledge that today is Star Wars Podcast Day, or in fact February the 7th in the US, today is February the 8th in New Zealand, but February the 7th celebrates Star Wars Podcast Day, and we're very proud and excited to be part of that celebration. February the 7th is the anniversary of the first broadcast of Jedi Talk, the first Star Wars-related podcast which premiered back on February the 7th in 1999, 24 years ago. So, as I say, thanks for joining into this podcast, but if you want to jump in and find other podcasts associated with Star Wars Podcast Day, you can search your social media for the hashtags Star Wars Podcast Day or SWPD 2023. Okay, we are counting down the days until the launch of Season 3 of The Mandalorian on Disney+, plus, taking place on Wednesday the 1st of March, local time in the evening, We've talked about that in the most recent podcasts, and talked about the trailer that came out a few weeks back. Just wanted to note that we have a screenshot gallery up on swnz.co.nz. So if you saw and enjoyed that trailer on YouTube or Disney Plus, check out the link on swnz.co.nz for a scene-by-scene gallery to see all the details from that trailer and get a feel for what we can expect in the Mandalorian season three
1: they often pack a lot of shots and tiny details into these trailers. So you often have to sort of go through it frame by frame to really pick up sort of details in the background. Of course, if you like to stay sort of more spoiler free, uh, at least there aren't too many more days to go until we finally get to watch these if you're ones that are trying to avoid uh, sort of any details from the trailers.
0: Yeah. I mean, that trailer, it, it conveyed some of the material that's in it, but it was mostly about flavor we're seeing a lot of Mandalorians, some colorful Mandalorians, but I don't know that it goes too much away in plot detail, just people that are involved, so there's mm. a level of spoilers you can expect from that. All right, other news, book news, novel news. E.K. Johnson, the Star Wars author, has announced that she will have a new young adult book coming out called Crimson Climb, and I'm quite excited for this one because it is focusing on Kira from Solo a Star Wars Story, and the presumption based on the sort of error that is conveyed on the cover image is that it's going to describe what happened to Kira and her association with Crimson Dawn between the points within the solo storyline where she was away separated from Han Solo.
1: Yeah, so when they were separated at the at the sort of the, the dock and she uh, grabs Han Solo's sort of dice, and then of course later on we see her with Dryden Voss and stuff like that, and there's this really interesting time period that we don't really have. Too much information on from, like, books or comics or anything like that, so it'll be really interesting to see how they sort of fill in that time gap for her. Yeah. She's a fascinating character, and I'm glad we're getting a little bit more uh, backstory and stories involving her. We've got some ones further on with her sort of involvement in Crimson Dawn when she's, you know, <laughs> taken over more authority there in the comics mm-hmm. and things like mm-hmm. that, but I want to see her sort of her initial involvement there. Yeah,
0: this is a very specific time frame, a very specific time window, uh, and I th- once this is filled out in terms of her narrative, I think we'll have a pretty complete picture, uh, and I'm excited for that. I, I still very much like and celebrate Solo A Star Wars Story as, as a movie, as a standalone movie. I think it's, it's quite rewatchable, and yeah, it's one of my faves. In our podcast last week, we talked about all the upcoming Star Wars material that we can expect over the rest of this year and beyond, just after our podcast, some really interesting news came out about Volume 2 of Star Wars Visions, the animated series, which will be premiering on May the 4th on Disney+. So that release date was new information, but we also have titles and the studio names from each of the different countries that we knew the episodes of Visions Volume 2 would be coming from. So I'll just quickly run through those. There will be an episode entitled Sith from Alguerí in Spain. Screechers Reach from Cartoon Saloon in Ireland, In the Stars from Punk Robot in Chile, I Am Your Mother from Ardman Studios in the United Kingdom, Journey to the Dark Head from Studio Mir or Studio Mir in South Korea, The Spy Dancer from Studio La Cachette in France, The Bandits of Golak from 88 Pictures in India, The Pit from Dart Stagio and Room, a, com- a combined effort from Japan and the USA an owl's song from Triggerfish in South Africa. Quite a wide range of different countries and presumably styles there. Personally I'm not familiar with the sort of style of animation we might better expect from from some of those regions. So I think that's gonna be a fascinating way to sort of experience Star from different points of view.
1: I think like, like we mentioned in the previous podcast that this will be a great sort of a way for these uh, lesser known studios to sort of showcase their work on a larger platform like Disney Plus with, you know, sort of the Disney sort of collab here. The only one that I immediately recognize <laughs> is Aardman yeah. from the UK. They are, of course, known for Wallace and Gromit and a number of their sort of original stop motion. So I'm curious to see if we will get a similar style from them. I presume so. Yeah, because yeah, they, be. they have a very distinctive gonna, look to they, a lot of their… The whole,
0: that's the whole point of, I think, Visions is mm. to, to represent your… You know, make it recognisable where it's coming from.
1: Yeah. Of course, these titles don't really give us too no. much information. I think they're intriguing. But of course, in, as we saw in the first season of Visions, it was really sort of, there was no way to sort of anticipate what kind of stories. The first one's called Sith. That's, so it. I that's think the, that's only the one most one word. Yeah. Yeah. That's got a little bit of a clear <laughs> sort of direction <laughs> completely there. Ambiguous. Yeah. So it'll be really exciting and not as long to wait as I thought. I thought this could be, you know, towards the end of the year. So it was, you know, almost a year away, but May the 4th is actually a lot more closer than I was anticipating well, yeah, for this. I nice think they
0: solid on that. they
1: must have gotten like to work on this pretty quickly after the first visions yeah. really you know I know these are shorter in duration but these are also smaller companies. Well each
0: studio only has to do one episode so yeah. no one's producing material back to back
1: But I think that 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 goes to show just how successful uh, Disney deemed this the first volume Mm -hmm. to be. They must have been like, yep, okay, the good numbers, good audience reaction. Let's go ahead because it takes time to reach out to studios and get together a a, a sort of a, a finalized list of participants, go through a few concepts and things like that and sort of really get going when the people can actually start creating their animation. So, that's really exciting, and that bodes well for further volumes. I think that this would be a really fun, ongoing regular series.
0: Yeah, very much, very much could be. There's a lot of potential for the future there. We saw limited merchandise from Volume One of Star Wars: Visions, just from a couple of the specific episodes, particularly Ronan and the twins. It'll be interesting to see which one of these we might get material from.
1: It's also interesting that. They're taking quite a different tack. I remember when people were wondering whether we would get a Volume 2, whether we would see continuations of the stories. It's interesting that for Volume 2, they have gone with all completely new ones in a more international flavor. I know that there were some stories in that first series that could have basically spawned their own miniseries or at least sort of a sequel episode. Maybe we will see that down the line. Maybe. Could be a
0: spin-off. Could be something par- in parallel to the yes, Star well, volumes. 2. Visions channel per se.
1: Like you said Ronan got some uh, sort of some statues, we saw some Funko Pop vinyls, a book and a comic. Mm -hmm. I think that one was sort of arguably the fan favourite from that one. It'll be really interesting to see which one sort of arises to be the fan favourite from Volume 2 and if we will see any sort of flow on merchandise from that.
0: So let us know what your favourite episode from Volume 1 of Star Wars Visions was and if you recognise any of the studios from Volume 2, which ones you're particularly looking for to yourself. Let's talk gaming news. We're excited for the release of Jedi Survivor which will be coming out on the 28th of April. Early today IGN revealed nine minutes of gameplay and that's available on their website and their YouTube channel. So nine minutes of gameplay that takes place after Calcestis crash lands on Kobo and must seek out help to repair a ship. So that's a new planet. This is all set five years after the events of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order and follows Cal's increasingly desperate fight as the galaxy descends further into darkness. As I said, this will be available on the 28th of April locally and internationally. A number of local retailers already have pre-orders up, so you can get it from where you usually get them. Mighty Ape, EB Games, JB Hi-Fi, out of those three big ones, it looks like Mighty Ape might have some of the best pricing. $79 on the PC, $95 for Xbox or PS5. Deluxe versions at $109 for PS5 and Xbox. If you get a pre-order for this game in early, you will be eligible for a pre-order pack, which includes an outfit for Cal with the Obi-Wan-inspired Jedi Survival Cosmetic Pack. The deluxe versions for the consoles there come with a Galactic Hero Cosmetic Pack and a New Hero Cosmetic Pack, which includes apparel for Cal, a weapon, each set, and BD-1 skins
1: always a little bit frustrating that the console versions of these games tend to get a few of those sort of digital freebies more than the pc that's my personal opinion because i tend to play video games on the pc rather than console but at least there's uh, something there i'm very much looking forward to this game the gameplay was quite fun at yeah, the yeah, nine well, minutes that they put climb, in
0: we have to concede that we haven't finished the first one yet each yeah yeah, but nevertheless, uh, the gameplay style, a single-player game, I'm actually quite looking forward to. We play online um, MMORPGs, but a uh, single-player one that's not tied into the requirement for waiting for other people in queues just to get through gameplay is, is something I'm looking forward to. And I'm very pleased at the level of success. That means we've actually got quite a bit of associated merchandise as well. I see that the uh, Black Series 6-inch Calcestis action figure from this game specifically will be coming out very shortly. That's available from the likes of Mighty Ape as as well, but yeah, very cool gameplay, uh, nice graphics. We don't get any story spoilers in this gameplay. He's just
1: yeah, he's just fighting sort of beasts and foes on the planet, not to give any spoilers away. I don't think it's terribly spoilery, but if you want to go in clean, I think the the basis of this was to basically show some of the cool combat styles in here, some of the moves you can do. Uh, obviously, there is the force. Um, so you get some sort of cool sort of force augmented moves that you necessarily wouldn't get from a sort of a blaster wielding character and some cool lightsaber moves. Obviously, they're going to have some cool sort of really uh, neat fights when you get to the bigger, badder boss fights in this game. We get sort of the low-level sort of mob, trash uh, trash mobs to sort of fight through. But it's very... It it really shows that there's a weird amount of running in this thing. It just sort of there's sections where he's just running around the map. It really does feel like somebody sat down and pressed record and just sort of um, ran around the the map for a little while and fought a few things and bits and pieces like that. So do check it out if you're excited for this game. Uh, Let us know if you've pre-ordered it. We're very excited to get our hands on this.
0: Yeah, well, the thing that excites me the most, as I just said earlier, I think in many ways is the fact that we're seeing we're seeing an extension of a pre-existing story arc and we're seeing specific love for the character Cal Kestis. It's nice when someone from the expanding universe has become so popular that they're sort of co- kind of incorporated into merchandising and products and, and ongoing ongoing material in this way.
1: I know that EA kind of got a lot of criticism for basically sitting on their hands with the Star Wars video game license for many years, and this kind of throws me back all the way back to the Kyle Katan sort of Jedi Order series, uh, sorry, the Jedi Knight series way back when, where we sort of had this series of games that would sort of follow a main character, and I just, I hope that this turns into a regular series, or at least heralds a bit of a new era in Star Wars video games. You know, everyone's always sort of crying out for Battlefront, but you know, I do enjoy the ones where you can just sit down and play by yourself, play through a Star Wars story without having that kind of hurdle or the learning curve of fighting up against people that are better skilled at video games or just want to uh, sort of annoy other players by killing them over and over. The single player ones where you just sit down and you have fun in the Star Wars world, I think is, is very it can approachable. Be a lot more.
0: Can be a lot more immersive. A yes. Thing you can just totally get in the zone if you're doing it by yourself.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, also on the topic of Star Wars games, the mobile app game Galaxy of Heroes. There's some new news associated with that. Why don't you hit us with those details?
1: Yeah, well, this is a really long-running app game. It's been running since December 2015. I have been playing it since then. And they're pretty good about adding regular content to it. But this most recent update, the sort of the Road Ahead update, they have dropped a lot of exciting news for a lot of people. Uh, First off, we have the sort of the kit reveal for the Tuscan Chieftain, as seen in the Book of Boba Fett. There are already a few assorted Tuscan characters in the game, but they don't really have a full cohesion you generally have to have a good five or six sort of characters to build out a good team. So the Tuscan Chieftain is going to be a really good addition. And then we also saw revealed is the Tuscan Warrior, also from the Book of Boba Fett. And these characters will work very well with the Boba Fett Scion of Django character, if you're lucky enough to have that one unlocked already. We also got the confirmation of an upcoming crate Dragon raid, as we see in Season 2 of The Mandalorian. People uh, wondered about whether this would be a potential because as we see in the series, it takes a whole band of people coming together to fight it. Uh, the raids in this game are done through guild events. So it takes a whole guild of up to 50 people to take down the bosses in the guild raids. So this is very exciting. you got to work together with your team in phases with different mechanics to take down the the big bad we've had some really cool ones in the past we had the return of the jedi rancor was one of the very original uh sort of raids for guilds so i'm very very excited about this of course it's going to be very hard each subsequent raid has sort of really up the ante in difficulty especially since we have a vast array of uh, galactic legend characters in the game now so i i get the feeling it's going to be sort of uh at that high level and we also got the tease of a new Hero's Journey Kestis obviously tying in to the release of the new Jedi Survivor game. They are Galaxy of Heroes pulls in characters and content from every sort of facet. We have ones from comic books, we have uh, Dr. Aphra, we have HK 47, we have Darth Melgus, and just, if it's, uh, we've got Kyle Katan and mm-hmm. Mara Jade, characters that don't exist in the current canon if they're from a video game or a comic book or a book or whatever, they just pull them in, it's just a sort of a free for all, so it's really fun to see video game characters, like I love seeing, there's quite an array of characters from the Knights of the Old Republic and Swotor, Star Wars the Old Republic uh, video games in there, so it's fun to see them getting ready to jump in with Cal Kestis. and they are also add- adding in Sarah Junda and Merrin were the two other names from the uh, Jedi Order video game series uh, that will also be added into this game so I know some people are very excited about Merrin and there was mention of BD1 in there as well okay. we don't know whether he will be sort of with Cal on the his shoulder yeah. um, or whether he will be a tiny little separate character uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see but that is like a fabulous uh, one there. A, a Calcestus, I guessing he will be very similar to the way that we get Starkiller in the game but they haven't said exactly how we will earn him yet um, but he will not be a galactic legend. He won't be quite as hard to get as though that tier of character.
0: So we've talked about Galaxy of Heroes in previous podcasts specifically because it has been out, has been going for quite some time now, a number of years as you mentioned Um, why don't you just comment again just to let people know if they haven't played this game is it still the sort of game you can get into even as deep into the the story progression
1: Yes, well, because it's been going for I think we're coming up on just over what is that, seven years? And yeah. um, we passed the seven year sort of anniversary and that, in December. Of, that's
0: part of what makes it worth talking about, of course.
1: Yeah. So there is a well known sort of content creator, Arnold T one oh one on YouTube. He creates content for this game. He's very entertaining. And he he started a sort of a brand new account to show how viable it is to jump into this game as a brand new player at this point in the game. And I have to say they have made it very easy to basically catch up um, to sort yep. of jump into the game at day one brand new player pick up the game the game is compre- completely completely free to play if you choose to there are no ads in the game it is supported purely by purchases in the game but I myself have played completely free to play since day one surely you you will get slower, but nothing is paywalled behind. Mm-hmm. It might, I'm still working my way on, you know, the likes of Darth Malgus and some of those high tier Galactic Legend characters, but I can still unlock them in the game. I just won't get them day one, uh, next to the people that will pay, pay money to do so. So I appreciate that. I like that there isn't anything that you can only get by paying money. And it, they've kind of helped new players sped up. They kind of introduced a sort of a, not quite a tutorial, but sort of a way to like made it easy they've got like a layout and they're like okay so here are these characters you should unlock first then once you've got those move on to this tier and then this tier it's kind of like a flow chart to help you get strategically important characters that will really boost your roster of characters and help you get up to those meteor fights and help you sort of get on your way to unlocking your first galactic legend and it's just a fun character collecting game even if you just potter around playing very low level just here and there It is still fun to collect characters from all across the Star Wars Galaxy of Stories and have them and put together your own sort of mashup teams. It's really quite fun.
0: Okay, Yeah, that's really important to know. I think for a game that's been running that long that has PvP and guild slash team strategic components to it, you need to be confident that it's actually viable to, to enter at any point and actually be able to play and keep up.
1: When you get to the end game and very high level, the top tier guilds are very, very competitive. Yeah, sure, sure. It is known that there are some people out there that have spent, you know, five, six figures on this game. Um, it is very, very easy to spend hundreds of dollars very, very quickly. But you don't have to spend an absolute dime on this thing. You don't even need to watch an ad. You can just collect the characters and make pretty good progress in the game at your own pace. And I just, I really appreciate that. I play a few other games that do really sort of put things behind paywalls and that's always a little bit disappointing, but you know, app developers need, need to make an income to support these games. And I just, it's a really fun game. It's gone through sort of, you know, hurdles over the past. There's always been, you know, every now and again, there's just sort of, you know, a move that the developers made that maybe fans aren't the fondest of. Um, you know, some people dislike some of the new gear additions to the game. But when it comes down to it, we're just a bunch of Star Wars nerds collecting Star Wars characters and putting random battles together. You, you can actually put together a team of five different Han Solos <laughs> because there's this young Han Solo from Solo. There's a new Hope Solo. There's, you know... There's old Han Solo, there's hot Han Solo. There's like, you know, you can put together, you can have have Anakin and Lord Vader and Darth Vader all together on the same team. It's just kind of funny, you know, and you can just muck around and have fun with it, and I really enjoy it.
0: Right, we're going to run through some local store reports and then move on to talk about last week's episode of the Bad Batch Episode 6 Tribe, as we do on a regular basis when there is material of the sort streaming on Disney Plus. But first up, things that have been seen on store shelves around New Zealand. We're very excited that over the past week, the Series 2 of the Jazzwares Micro Galaxy Squadron has shown up locally, or at least part of the expected wave. In particular, we've got the Light Armor Class uh, range, which are priced at $30 at the warehouse branches of the warehouse. This includes Yoda's Jedi Starfighter, which is vehicle number 0032, Battle Damage TIE Fighter, 0033. Harrison Dollars A-Wing, which is a rare variant. 15,000 of those available globally. That is number 0035. And Sabine Wren's TIE Fighter, which is the chase rarity. One of 5,000 available locally, and that is 0036. And the Starfighter class, slightly larger than the Light Armor class, priced at $35 at the warehouse. Bo-Katan's Gauntlet Fighter, 0037. Luke Skywalker's Snowspeeder, 0038. An AAT Battle Tank, 0039. Antoc Merrick's X-Wing, which is the chase variant, 0040. And Ahsoka Tano's Jedi Starfighter, which is the rare, 0041. We don't have any of the blind box mystery vehicles locally yet from Series 2, but we do seem to have restocked Series 1, which is a little bit curious. We don't have any of the larger vehicles either, which is a shame because I'm particularly looking forward to the Marauder. From the bad patch, from that line, so hopefully we do see those. We do see those locally.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm a little bit pessimistic on this because we didn't get the Razor Crest mm. locally in New Zealand, and I feel like perhaps that's a little bit of a foreboding here that some of the larger vehicles, uh, the the likes of the warehouse and that, are just not bringing them in. Or well, that's a decision made at the distribution level, whether they're just sort of not bringing them in or making them available for the local stockers to put on store shelves. I really hope that this isn't an ongoing issue because this is such a fabulous line. And I'm well, really.
0: the larger vehicles included, as well as the um, Marauder Shuttle, are the um, Republic gunships yeah. and the um, uh, Jenga Fett's version of Slave One, um, but all of which are very cool vehicles.
1: Yeah, and I feel like, especially Django being played by a New Zealander, I think that there'd be a lot of people that want these ones. It's, I'm hoping that perhaps we'll be able to find them maybe from Australian stockists, because I know last time the Razor Crest was certainly stocked in Australia, which was frustrating that they got it and we didn't especially since we seem to have at least uh, some of the chases showing up in New Zealand. Yeah,
0: yeah the, the regular case mm. lots are showing up in case descriptions are showing up. Hey, but um, so we're missing out on some things, but one thing that blew everybody's minds this, this past week was that in the micro galaxy squadron showing up at branches of the warehouse and toy world locally it was the boon to eve battle pack a pack that included two episode one phantom menace pod racers uh was pod racer and anakin skywalker's pod racer part of the reason why this was so exciting beyond the fact that it hasn't shown up anywhere else on the globe is that uh, this wasn't actually even an announced product it's labeled as series one which is extremely curious and it's quite a big vehicle pack and uh, just shown up locally priced at 45 dollars in new zealand
1: Yeah, this was quite a fun find. I like the pod races. I think that they would be uh, just a fabulous addition to this line. And it's really interesting, as you say, this is wave one, but it's showing up on store shelves alongside wave two. But all of the product from wave one has a gold foil launch edition mm-hmm. sticker showing that they were the first items made. This wave one box does not have a launch edition sticker on it. So it seems to have sort of been like a, a 1.5 release. People are wondering whether it was supposed to be released and maybe they a bit decided of, a not bit of confusion to. And, and, yeah, like, yeah. so could
0: it was, was it a canceled product that uh, they've they just, some of? And they they didn't dump them somewhere. They small. just
1: dumped in a small country and that happened to be us that managed to get them. So we snatched this for our collection. I I, it's kind of a, uh, a weird feeling because I think it would be fabulous to have the full gamut of pod racers. Um, but if the, if this one with the main two, Anakin and was didn't make it to widespread release, that doesn't really sort of uh, instill me with faith that they will do other well, lesser known pod racers. Like I say,
0: it's not clear why it's shown up in New Zealand only yet it may show up with wider distribution. That's, mm. That remains to be seen, but that's the state of play uh, at the time of recording. We have taken a close look at that over on our um, personal vlog site, Villa Varikino, so check out our YouTube channel for a close detailed look at the Micro Galaxy Squadron Boon to Eve Battle Pack. Another exciting uh, release, or at least availability of pre-orders locally, is the 40th Anniversary Return of the Jedi line from Funko Pop Vinyl figures. Quite a wide range of characters here, including some Deluxe and another Builder Scene series up um, for pre-order and all the usual places including Mighty Ape. Mighty Ape has them for $27, $25 if you're a primate member, 64 for the deluxe scenes and the build a scene set, uh, 62 if you're a primate member there. This range includes an unmasked version of Darth Vader, an emperor on his throne uh, as seen on the Death Star 2, a holographic version of Luke Skywalker, glows in the dark, Princess Leia in her bush disguise, Jedi version of Luke Skywalker, as seen in Jabba's throne in the opening, in the early scenes of Return of the Jedi. Endor version of Princess Leia. C-3PO in his Ewok throne chair. Wicket the Ewok, and Ewok with a separate Ewok with a series of helmet drums. And the builder scene and we've talked about these a few times in the past because this is following on from the likes of the bounty hunter builder scene and then the uh, episode one phantom menace lightsaber duel builder scene uh, we've got a builder scene series that is going to be based on the sarlacc pit skiff battle and each of the pieces build up to build a skiff basically so we first up is chewbacca and luke skywalker uh, the skiff that it builds up is a little bit artificial in that it's elongated to accommodate quite a few different characters, but I think this is perhaps a better idea than some of the Builder Scene sets that we've got. I'll come back and talk about that in just a second. Also, in the standard pop vinyl figures, Max Rebo in his musical organ, I'm very keen on that one specifically, and deluxe movie moment scenes of Luke versus Darth Vader and Jabba the Hut with Salacious Crumb. What are your thoughts on that Skiff Builder Scene set?
1: I think that's a lot better than the flat... Sort of floor and wall from the Boba uh, from the bounty hunter 6. Yeah, yeah. It might not necessarily justify the higher cost for these sort of um, deluxe. Yes, yeah, more, more, <laughs>
0: more than twice the regular price. Yeah, and we've it, talked about that many times in the past in relation to the other build of scenes, but yeah, this one's a bit cooler.
1: Yeah. Certainly, if you bide your time, I thought, um, it was interesting with the Bounty Hunter set. They launched the range with Boba Fett, arguably being the most popular or at least the most, the most well known out of those characters. Um, and it wasn't too long before we started to see him come down in price and ended up being on basically clearance. So I was like, okay, if Boba Fett's lasts on store shelves because people are not paying full price for him and gets down to that sort of price point, we can only assume that the others will follow suit. And, yes, we have seen all of them – With And we're just starting to see the very final character from that lineup, which was Darth Vader. He is finally starting to hit that lower price point as well. So if you really wanted that Bounty Hunter lineup but balked a bit at the price, they did all eventually come down to about half price, putting them much closer to what I think is an appropriate price point. Most of them you could generally get for somewhere between $29 to $35, which is not too much more than a standard Uh, pop vinyl price because you've got some extra sort of scenery. Because it's kind of funny, all Funko Pops are generally priced the same, but Star Wars ones have always come with a base. And uh, in years past, most of the other lines don't come with bases or even a bobblehead. They don't even have the wire in the head. They are just figures. The Star Wars ones have always been slightly different, but they're priced exactly the same. So it was kind of funny that they added even more price to the fact that these ones have a slightly wider base and a, and a flat panel wall. So it would be really interesting to see if this skiff builder scene will follow the same fate and end up being on sale. We'll certainly have to bite our time and watch, particularly at stores like EB Games, where because they are a brick-and-mortar retail store, they're they're much faster about wanting to clear out old stock, and then you start spotting the, the clearance stickers on them.
0: Mildly interesting about this is that so far we've seen Luke Skywalker and Chewbacca, which are characters that there are quite a few pop final figure versions of out there I'm expecting a Boba fit on the skiff as well at some point but there's a little bit of room there for some really unique aliens return of the Jedi skiff guard creatures and in, in that lineup which which could be interesting I mean, they could be quite desirable
1: it's certainly an interesting idea and a little bit more different than some of the other scenes that we've seen. I think my favourite of the ones that connect together mm-hmm. is the Duel of the Fates yeah. from Phantom well, Menace. Oh, that's nice. That's that one made, only
0: three characters. Yeah,
1: and it made a lot of sense because there was sort of a, a set component around them that sort of... It, it, more justifies the higher price point and that looks really good all connected together so it'll be really neat to see how this looks let us know in the comments whether you think that you'll be diving in and starting to collect up this uh, builder scene set
0: so all of those uh, return of the jedi 40th anniversary star wars pop final characters and sets are available for pre-order locally from wherever you get your funko products Let's jump in and talk about episode 6 of The Bad Batch, which screened last week, entitled Tribe. We will be delving into spoilers here, presuming that everyone's had time to watch it over the previous week. Um, Just also a reminder, we're recording this episode on February the 8th, New Zealand time. Tonight's episode of The Bad Batch is a double episode. We'll include the Clone Conspiracy and in that secondary episode called Truth and Consequences. Looking forward to that. And we will talk about those in next week's podcast. But first up, episode 6 of the Bad Batch tribe. The Bad Batch meets the Vanguard Axis briefly for a job in a sort of a space station setting. Omega ends up helping Gunji, a Wookiee Jedi youngling, escape from his captors on the space station. They intend to return him to his home world, but when they venture to Kashyyyk, they find it being ravaged by a group of Trandoshan mercenaries working for the Empire. Bad Batch have to win a local tribe's trust and these the Bad clones joined the Wookiees and the indigenous wildlife in the fight against the Imperial opponents. The Aggressors are eventually defeated, and Ganji is reunited with his people. I personally loved this episode. It had, it felt very much, it involved known characters, known settings, and it felt very much like, even though it was just a single one-off episode, it felt very much like the sort of content that just had this really positive Star Wars vibe to it.
1: Yeah, it 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 obviously connects very closely to the Clone Wars series with the reintroduction of Gunji, who is a Wookiee, Jedi Youngling, that was introduced further back in the Clone Wars uh-huh. series. So if uh, if you spotted him in the trailer, you might be uh, aware of this character. If you haven't watched the Clone Wars, then it would have been sort of a fun surprise to find out that this young Wookiee is actually Force-sensitive and has a lightsaber and stuff like that. But I was really excited when I spotted him because um, he was one of those sort of fan favorite little characters and you know that yeah most of the younglings in Jedi would not have survived Order 66 but it's fun uh, to see uh, yet another sort of one that managed to escape and I thought it was sort of one of those heartwarming episodes where the, the Bad Batch are sort of learning a little bit about Wookiee culture, learning to sort of to work with the environment. We see what is, you know, on on the appearances, the creepy spiders, um, but Ganji tells them, no, no, if you're not a threat, they'll leave you alone. And they actually kind of utilize the spiders in their fight, which I thought was neat. And we see some, some really sweet moments of Omega sort of bonding with another young person out in the galaxy. She is very trusting. And she immediately sees that he is being sort of tortured or
0: a yeah, captive,
1: and immediately wants her to rescue him, stop at yeah. nothing
0: to help him, and return yeah. to Kishi.
1: She doesn't know anything about him, but she sees somebody in, in in pain and immediately wants to help. And I that to me speaks to um, that she sort of automatically sort of bonds with people, and she's so trusting. And I just really like that in a character, especially when we're dealing with a post. Order 66 Empire world, where there's a lot of harshness and a lot of just sort of grim uh, oppression and stuff like that. I really appreciate that Omega is just the sort of beacon of light and positivity, you know, cause the, the bad batch are kind of jaded, you know, they've gone through a lot. They've got a lot of stuff to sort of deal with, especially with the conflict with crosshair and things like that. So I like the moments cause I get the feeling we we've got a bit of a dark trajectory coming. uh, you know, we haven't had too much conflict directly between the bad batch and the empire in the second season, no, but, but we, know this- we know it's coming. We know it's coming. So, I like these moments where they actually managed to not just sort of do a mission or win some money or sort of, you know, complete a mission for Sid and earn some keep. This was just doing something because it was the right thing to do.
0: Yeah, I liked it very much The story. It's self-contained. It does give us a bit of a picture about the state of the galaxy at this point in time. And it does pose a few very interesting questions, specifically those pertaining to Jedi survivors that may be out there and even Genji's direct story, what's going to happen to him moving forward uh, um, on the planet of Kashyyyk, whether or not we'll revisit that at some point in the, in the Star Wars narrative or not, I don't know. But it does sort of pose these interesting questions about the survivors of Order 66 um, who may be out there hiding, who may be expanding their force. Um, abilities or, might, or may have abandoned them you know interesting bits and pieces to talk about there but I, I i like this very much as a self-contained episode as i said because it particularly utilizes recognizable characters and recognizable scenes settings kashik has a little bit of a fond specific nostalgic memory for me because it was one of the very earliest expanded universe um, in some ways Environments that I was exposed to, it showed up obviously in the holiday special, the Star Wars Holiday Special, which actually broadcast on television in New Zealand in 1978, but it also showed up in the newspaper comic strips that were reprinted in the New Zealand Women's Weekly. So, you know, I saw, saw a few instances where stories revolved around the Wookiees on Kashyyyk and uh, I love the fact that they've on the whole persisted with the culture you know there's been a lot of variations in evolution over time but they've persisted with many of the aspects of the culture and environment of Kashyyyk as it's been portrayed over time in fact there were a few instances in this episode where they were showing establishing shots of the Wookiee tree houses on Kashyyyk that just totally made me feel like those paint matte painted establishing scenes in the holiday special it was a very interesting vibe
1: Yeah, I appreciated returning to a well-known – it's kind of funny, we don't really see – much of Kashyyyk in you know, it's it's kind of known and referenced in the original trilogy era. People knew about it in the 70s, but it wasn't until uh, episode 3 that we finally actually got to live see action. it in, in a live action well, beyond, movie. Beyond and special,
0: of course.
1: That yeah. is mostly contained to the beach. We see a little bit of the tree houses along sort of the tree line. But not but, the depths of the forest. And it's not the sort of the culture. It's not where no. the people live and stuff like that. So it's always fun when we see it those elements. A, it
0: was a battle front line. Basically, yeah. it wasn't wasn't, yeah, wasn't the, um, with the villages. droids
1: kind of coming out of the water and and the Wookiees coming out of the forest and sort of clashing on the beachfront. But um, just talking about
0: nostalgia, that does, um, that does strongly make me remember the early versions of Battlefront that mm, we uh, yes. used to play in the Kusik settings on there. Yeah.
1: And if you've played Knights of the Republic, you know that you spend a fair amount of time on Kashyyyk there for a very important mission. You meet an important character there. So it's always fun when they bring back these sort of classic ones because I know in a lot of animation they're like, here's a random new place. Here's this place over here that you've never heard of. And it's sort of like you're scrambling to try and remember all of these places. So sometimes it's fun to just to go place that is very well-known and is familiar to most fans watching it. And it's always neat seeing... You know, just sort of wookie culture. We see some, you know, people that aren't perhaps you know, the, the Wookiee warriors, we see sort of an elder tribeswoman and obviously Gunji being a young one. They make reference to the fact that, you know, he's a Jedi. He won't be safe anywhere. So Mm -hmm. we may as well take him home because that's the best chance of survival he's got. And then later on in the episode, when they're sort of reflecting on Gunji and Omega, that the galaxy is not a great place for young people. They basically call them children and basically saying that it's just a hard place, um, which feels a little bit foreboding for Omega especially because (laughs) she's proving that she's capable. She wants to sort of, you know, be an equal beside the Bad Batch, but she didn't go through the same training. You know, she's not the same – physical size as the other clones that are adults. So I, I really do fear for where the story's going to go for her. I don't think that they can give her a, a grisly end this early. I think, you know, I want to see where she goes because obviously she is very much a part of the Bad Batch. I don't want to see anything bad happen to this core. And I think it's really interesting seeing the Clone Wars uh, sort of post-era, the beginning of the Empire, slightly through, I know it's kind of told from the Bad Batch's perspective, but we get a slightly different lens on the galaxy through Omega's eyes, um, the way that she sees things, the way that she always wants to help people, and I'm a little bit anxious, but also very excited to see where they take her character arc. I'm very invested in her, and I hope we see more merchandise for the for the Bad Batch, like we were talking about yeah, earlier with yeah. the Micro Galaxy Squadron. I want that Marauder ship. I have the full Bad Batch lineup in you know Funko. I have them in my uh, Galaxy of Heroes video game. I want more of them surrounding yeah, my life. Um-
0: uh, we'll, we'll give it a little bit of time to see if the Marauder shuttle shows up locally but i was with to chase that online, because it does, the many things that it comes with are, in fact, Wrecker and Omega. Of course, we've got a soft spot for Omega because she is voiced by a very well-known Kiwi actress, uh, Michelle Ang.
1: But just to wrap up our thoughts of the, of the, um, the episode, I appreciate sort of throwing in the Trandoshans mm-hmm. because they are the sort of the long-standing sort of arch-nemesis for Wookiees. Yeah. There's obviously a long-running sort of, they both oh. sort of see it as, as almost like some, uh, sort of calling to sort of, you know, that they both have a very sort of combat-driven, uh, culture. Uh, we know from sort of expanded universe entries here that Trandoshans kind of have a scorekeeper sort of goddess and they earn points by sort of having kills and so there's a really that sort affects,
0: of that affects your success and role and rewards in the afterlife
1: yeah so they're very driven to seek out worthy opponents not just killing sort of you know low level creatures or something like that and they see Wookiees as one of the sort of the the most sort of like I don't know worthy to sort of take game, on because, yeah. because they're sort of evenly matched and then of course Wookiees have this kind of proud culture they're fierce Fighters, so they sort of, you know, there's all different ways that these uh, keep sort of coming across. And obviously, we see in this episode that Trandoshans are working with the help of the Empire. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting that we actually see the Empire here is actually clone troopers. Mm-hmm. We still see them in their episode three era clone, clone, clone troopers. troopers. Yeah. And the Trandoshans are driving, um, I was battle the droid tanks. tanks. Yeah,
0: because I, I always like seeing, and this is part of the appeal for product lines, vehicle lines like the old Action Fleet and hopefully move forward the uh, Micro Galaxy Squadron. I always like seeing expanded variants of known vehicles. So it was quite cool seeing these AAT tanks with additional deco and they had flamethrower um, weaponry instead of projectile or missile-based weaponry. Um,
1: yeah, we saw them using sort of fire-based weapons to basically clear jungle, um, to sort of make their way. And it was interesting seeing like the Empire... Sort of cog logo on the side yeah. of what we think is sort of, you know, separatist and battle droid aligned vehicles. So it was quite, quite interesting seeing and they're those. And they were
0: decorated and equipped up for Jungle Train, which was all quite a cool version, quite a cool version for them.
1: And we saw, I always appreciate it when there's, just coming from me as an animal lover, I appreciate it when there are moments in Star Wars where they're like, let's not just outright kill the animals, let's learn to live with them. So instead of like, killing the spiders that that seem aggressive uh the bad batch work with them um yeah, and we certainly a- see Gunji working with them to which- sort of over overcome a foe and we see the wookies riding sort of these big creatures mm-hmm. around which i thought was really fun we don't actually end up just sort of with a lot of animals dying in this episode particularly with a young character in here i appreciated that they didn't go too dark there and just sort of end up you know killing no, that's lot what i mean the
0: overall vibe was very positive and had, had a good positive style was feel to it um just just into the wrapping out details i did also find the opening scenes even though they're a bit cryptic and ambiguous as to how they might tie into anything else if at all vanguard axis i think i believe was the name of the um smuggling cartel that they were they were meeting with and um basically delivering fake identity um blockchain codes essentially uh it was just a an opening setting that didn't necessarily need to tie anything, but it did like the design of that space station and, and the droids that they had come up against. I thought that was just a, a cool variant before we moved into the full Kashyyyk setting. So we're very much excited for tonight's episodes, so a double episode coming up. That will mark the, the halfway point in this season, actually. We had, I guess these episodes that are coming up will tie into the opening episodes because we haven't had a lot of that primary story arc so far. And that will build up to a another pair of double episodes at the conclusion of the season later and we are expecting just on the way things are panning out on the calendar for that to overlap with the first early episodes of season three of the mandalorian which will be a very interesting time and we'll make for some quite long podcasts as we have to talk about both the episodes that have just screened off the mandalorian and the bad batch
1: But yeah, what a time to be alive when there's almost too much Star Wars to watch in one evening. Um, It'll be really fun.
0: Yeah, because straight after the the sort of wrap-up of uh, Mando Season 3, we'll be moving into um, Star Wars Visions as well. That coincides with a couple of months after the start of Mando, so those will be very closely aligned. Presumably, they're going to dump all of Visions Volume 2 in one hit, as they did with Volume Volume 1, they're usually short episodes. We did actually watch through all of them in one hit. We'll probably do the same in Volume 2 again. But we've got a lot to talk about in future podcasts because of all this fantastic material. And before too long, we'll start to be hearing release dates for Skeleton Crew and and Ahsoka down the line, of course, and the Acolyte, of course.
1: Yeah, so if you enjoy jumping online to talk with other fans about the most recent episode of whatever Star Wars show uh, screens on Disney+, Plus, we like to jump online and play some Star Wars video games and just sort of chat about the episode that we just watched. So we'll be doing that again after the double episode of The Bad Batch. We'll be streaming on our personal Villa Veracchino Twitch stream, and we'll have that video archived on our Villa Veracchino YouTube channel. If you just want to catch up and see what our thoughts were and just sort of you know uh, i really appreciate sort of talking through like we do on the podcast um the bits and pieces that we liked <sighs> and different plot points but there's something about doing it fresh just yeah, after you've yeah. watched it while it's all in your mind and you're just like wow uh, you know that was interesting I wonder what this is going to do and just sort of talk about the highlights and and things that you really enjoyed so i really appreciate you know, opportunity to sort of talk about that, and it's really fun having having some of you other guys jump into the chat and share your favorite bits. Uh, it really does sort of bounce ideas yeah, around yeah. When and everything's just enjoy And that,
0: everything that's fresh, it's always it's always enjoyable to reflect and discuss and share the, the aspect of it that you particularly like personally.
1: Because I know a lot of people want to jump online and start talking about episodes with other fans on, on places like Facebook groups. But we, we've got to be fair to other people and, and, you know, not everyone can stay up and watch them the day oh, that they come out. It's not big so like screens
0: at a convenient time for everybody. Around yeah. The way. Of course, we're pretty lucky in New Zealand that at the moment Disney Plus material is coming out at about 9 p.m. in the evening, yeah. not a bad time. And, uh, depending on the time zones and daylight savings, it's sometimes as early as 7 a.m. We're pretty, pretty fortunate in that regard.
1: So the live streaming is our way of being able to jump online and talk with fans about what we've just watched, but in a way that's not going to put spoilers in front of other people's faces. I know in social media feeds, there's, you know, so many stories of somebody just scrolling to, to get the sort of daily updates from friends. And then somebody just posts a a blatant spoiler that just sort of ruins the experience. So this is our way of making sure that it doesn't pop up in somebody's social media feed and we really enjoy it. So do pop along and join us if you want to hang out and talk about the bad bad episodes.
0: Yep, so that's on our personal Aquino Twitch channel and then YouTube channel thereafter, links down below. Well that's about it for today's installment, I guess we're done doing talking. If you have any thoughts on the topics we discussed today, we're definitely keen to hear them. Leave a comment on the YouTube page or our website page for this podcast. Thank you for tuning in, we appreciate you taking your time to listen to us share our passion for Star Wars. Stay tuned to our website, swnz.co.nz for Star Wars news for New Zealanders and another podcast episode next week and every Tuesday. Don't forget you can jump on over to either our Facebook group or the SWNZ message boards to discuss all the latest Star Wars news with other Kiwi fans. Kia ora, kia noho, haumaru, thank you for listening and stay safe.
1: Turo Hawaiki, may the force be with you.